from the book of Isaiah. The vision of Yeshiyahu, son of Amitz, which he saw concerning Yehuda and Yerushalayim in the days of Uziyahu, Yotham, Ahaz, Hizekiahu, sovereigns of Yehuda. Hear, O Shemayim, and listen, O earth, for Jehovah has spoken. I have reared and brought up children, but they have transgressed against me. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, we're starting a new series this morning. We're going to be working through and studying the prophet Isaiah. Uh, we're just we're living in a time when I think we really need to go back. And see what the prophets had to say. And one of the things I tried to do one year was the prophet's portion. Um, If you don't know what that is, you can go to my website. Uh, There's a blog post there about it. Uh, But those are only little snippets, really, from various prophets. And with those, you unfortunately don't get the full context and everything. So, Lord willing... um, I would like to make it through all the prophets uh, at some point. And we're going to start with Isaiah. Let me tell you a little bit. Well, first, let me just say this. The first chapter that we're reading today out of the book of Isaiah, dealing with the rebellion of God's people. These are words that you could hear God speaking to us today, the very things that God is angry with Israel about are the very issues we see prominent in our own day. And let that be alarming to us. Before we dig in, we're just going to read chapter 1 today. Um, which is 31 verses. Before we take a look at this, let's just talk a little bit about Isaiah. Here's just a little introduction about him. Isaiah is justly accounted the chief of the writing prophets. He has more comprehensive testimony and is distinctly the prophet of the redemption. Nowhere else in the scriptures written under the law have we so clear a view of grace. The New Testament church does not appear, but Messiah in his person and sufferings and the blessings of the Gentiles through him are in full vision. Apart from his testimony to his own time, which includes the warnings of coming judgments upon great nations of that day, The predictive message of Isaiah covers seven great themes. So here's kind of the themes that you're going to find as we go through this study. Number one, Israel and exile and divine judgment upon Israel's oppressors. The return from Babylon. Number three, the manifestation of Messiah and humiliation. 
Number four, the blessing of the Gentiles. Number five, the manifestation of Messiah in judgment, the day of vengeance of our God. Number five, the reign of David's righteous branch in the kingdom age. Or I'm sorry, that was number six. And number seven, the new heavens and the new earth. So these are the themes uh, that we're going to be looking at. This very first verse, which I read out of uh, out of chapter 1 here, I just want to read to you one little thing that Matthew Henry says. He says, Isaiah signifies the salvation of the Lord. So Isaiah's actual name in Hebrew is Yeshiyahu, which means the salvation of the Lord or salvation of Jehovah. And Matthew Henry says, it's a very suitable name for this prophet who prophesies so much of Jesus the Savior and his salvation. God's professing people did not know or consider that they owed their lives and comforts to God's fatherly care and kindness. How many are very careless in the affairs of their souls? So with that introduction, open up your hearts. This is sobering. So this is Isaiah's message from God to Israel to start this story, this book of prophecy. And again, it sounds like something that could be spoken to us today. Let's have a look. I'm going to read from the King James Bible. The prophet Isaiah, chapter 1. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know my people, doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, and they are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. Please note. It's an interesting phrase that that God uses right here. Why should you be stricken anymore? You see, when you get to a certain place, judgment is, has come upon you. And those judgments continue to get worse and worse as you continue to rebel and rebel. A lot of people, and we've been saying it for a long time, oh, if America doesn't turn... We don't turn away from this evil and turn back to God. God's going to judge us. God's going to judge us. Listen, 
when you're at a place in your society where we are, where the most abominable, filthy, disgusting behaviors, vile behaviors, lawless behaviors, godless behaviors are accepted as good and they receive badge of honor for being disgusting, judgment's already here. That is part of the judgment. You've been given over to a reprobate mind. So what God could be saying to us today is, why do you want to be stricken more? Why should you be stricken anymore, he says. You revolt more and more, and the whole heart, the whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. Just like Israel in this day, judgment has already arrived The question is, how far down the line does it have to go? Continuing on. Verse 6, from the soul, he says, let's read verse 5 one more time. Why should you be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises... Putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. It is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. And the daughters of Zion, the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Please note, the prophet saying, Because of our behavior and actions and rebellion, we should be receiving the exact same judgment as Sodom and Gomorrah because we're equally as guilty as they. The only reason we haven't is for the sake of the Lord's remnant scattered throughout the nation. This is exactly why, in my opinion, why fire and brimstone hasn't rightly fallen from the sky. And not just landed here, but many nations around the world. Because many nations around the world deserve the same judgment as Sodom and Gomorrah because they commit the same atrocities. The reason why is for the sake of of the small remnant amongst us. Notice the language here. Isaiah says, a very small remnant. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been a Sodom. We should have been like unto Gomorrah. Verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. 
To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams, and the fat of fed beast. I delight not in the blood of bullocks, or of lambs, or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand, to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations, incense, and abominations unto me. The new moons and the sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me, I am weary to bear them. When you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. He's saying, you're doing all these practices. Now remember, the things they're doing were commanded in the law. But God's saying, what you're doing is worthless. How dare you even step foot in the courts? the religious courts. Like you're doing all the religious things, you're showing up to church, right? Maybe you're tithing, you're, you know, you're doing all the uh, things for religious appearance, but it's making God sick because there's blood on your hands and you have all this unrepented sin. He says, when you spread forth your hands... I will hide my eyes from you. When you make many prayers, I will not hear, because your hands are full of blood. Matthew Henry says this. He says, He justly refuses to hear their prayers and accept their services, their sacrifices and burnt offerings, the fat and blood of them, their attendance in his courts, their oblations, their incense, their solemn assemblies, their new moons, their appointed feast, their devoutest addresses. They are all rejected because their hands are full of blood. Many of you have probably heard the cute little saying, God, God answers all prayers. It's either just yes, no, or maybe, or wait. That's what it is. Yes, no, or not now. That's the three, the cute little th- saying. That's not true and it's not biblical. Sometimes God just flat out will not hear the prayers when there's unrepented sin. The psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he would not hear me. He's talking about cherished sin, unrepented sin. God say, you can do all the religious things you want, but your prayers are falling on deaf ears until you repent of all the blood that's on your hands. Let's continue on. Verse 16. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, and plead for the widow. 
So God's saying, before you do all the religious ceremonial stuff, how about you start with turning away from all the wickedness you're doing? How about you start taking care and caring about those who are oppressed and the widow? Verse 18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good fruit of the land. Look at God's grace and mercy. He's saying, if you'll just turn away from your sin, if you'll just turn away and reject evil and start walking in the way of truth and righteousness, I will then start hearing your prayers. I will take your blood red scarlet sin and I will cover it and make it white as snow if you will just do what is right. He says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. How has the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness, lodged in it, but now murderers. Mm, does that sound familiar to us today? Have we not gone the exact way of Israel? Thy silver has become dross, thy wine mixture with water. Now listen to this. Thy princes, so the rulers, thy princes are rebellious and companion of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and falleth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth they cause the widow to come unto them. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, I will ease me of my adversaries and avenge me on my enemies. He's saying you've gotten to a place where your rulers are so wicked. They don't even rightly rule. Everything they do is to receive gifts and benefits for themselves. It's like every nation in the world today. Verse 25. These last, five, these last few verses here, six verses. It's a mingle of warning with promise as well. And I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together. And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks which they have desired. And ye shall be confounded for the gardens that you have chosen. For ye shall be as an 
oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden that hath no water. And the strong shall be as tow, and the maker of it as a spark, and they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them. So God ends by saying, you're going to become righteous again, but it's going to come through judgment. We're going to have to burn everything. This should be taken as a serious warning to us today. But unfortunately, very few times in history has these types of warnings been heeded. Maybe Nineveh's the only example we have where you've gotten so bad, you've gotten so out of control, you're at the brink of complete and utter annihilation. Somebody says, repent, judgment's at your door, and they fast, and they cover themselves with sackcloth, and they repent and beg for mercy, and they're spared. That's where we're at. The good news is God cares about his remnant. Which is why we're still here. I want to say judgment is coming. But like I just said earlier, it's already here. The question is, will we, like Israel, continue to bear down and sin more and more? Or like the Bible says here, ye revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds, bruises, purifying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devoured in your presence. It is desolate as, an overth- as overthrown by strangers. Now, this didn't end, this chapter didn't end without a, something to have hope in. God says, I will restore thy judges as they were at first. I'll restore thy judges as it, as it was at first, and thy, thy counselors as it was at the beginning, and afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. All I can say is come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. The whole world has gone in the way of Sodom and Gomorrah. The whole world has rebelled against God. The whole world is saying evil is good and good is evil. Well, that's all I have for you this morning. I hope it wasn't too somber. 
But this is, this is the situation that we're facing. Let us make sure that we're part of that remnant. Let us make sure that we are part of that remnant, that we are in relationship with God, that we're repentive of our sins, that we're not, that we're not, you know, regarding iniquity in our heart, unrepented, you know, sin that's, that you just don't want to let go of, you don't want to talk about it, you get that out of our lives. We got to get serious. Christians, you got to get serious about your relationship with God. Look at where we are. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her plagues and in her sins, says God to Babylon. I pray that this study today and moving forward will be a great blessing to all of you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Thank you for your support. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.